0: All right, let's make sure our Bible's are open to, uh, to Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at a thought this evening. And again, thank you for being back in your places uh, tonight. I just want to uh, look at this parable, and I want to uh, uh, share a thought with you um, this evening. How many of you know what a green thumb is? Yeah. It's not what the jolly green giant has, all right? A green thumb is a person that can make anything grow now let's be careful what when we apply that but how, how many of you you would say you're you're good at you have a garden you're good at garden good okay now my wife and I we don't have a green thumb we have this thing called a brown thumb it has nothing to do with her being his, hispanic here we can kill anything some people can kill a cactus right and that's hard to do they don't need much water but for when it, i know the principle is whenever you plant something if it's not growing if it's not doing well if it's not green because there's a problem there's something that's causing that and we need to figure it out I remember we we moved to a house at Flagstone many years ago and and and, and the I, I like I like the grass to look decent and I looked at the front lawn and I'm like you know it was nice except there was one little patch there and it was like grass wouldn't grow and i thought I can fix this And so, you know, I don't know a lot about it, I know more now, but I got over there and, you know, hit the dirt a couple times with the thing, and I got some seed, and I threw seed on it. And I realized after a while, the only thing that was happening was the birds were eating the seed. That thing was not growing, I didn't till the ground enough, but I did find I could grow grass somewhere, where the flowers were that I didn't want grass to grow. How many of you ever noticed that? The grass won't grow on the grass, but it'll grow where you don't want it to grow. How many of you understand that? I don't understand the dynamics. I think it has something to do with Satan, and I'm just not sure about that. But when you plant something, it should grow if it is taken care of. But if it doesn't, you've got to trace it to the problem. What is the problem? could be you're not watering it, you're not weeding it, and some other things. You know, the same, I have found that the same thing is true spiritually, Right? If we're not being fruitful in our Christian life, God says he wants us to have fruit. If we're not being fruitful or we're not growing, and uh, if we look at our life and it would be more described as being barren than being green or fruitful, then we would have to say, hey, there's a problem. But most people don't take the next step to say, what is the problem? Why is it that that's not happening? And I want to share that with us tonight. Tonight. This parable was told by Christ. It's here in Luke chapter number 8. It's also in Matthew chapter number 13. He tells the parable, and in Matthew chapter 13, later on, he did not give the application right away. Later on, the disciples came to him and said, hey, what is the meaning of this parable? What was this all about? Can you explain it to us? You don't have to turn there, but I'll tell you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 13. And he said unto them, know ye not this parable? And then he says this, and how then will you know all parables? Now when you read something in the Bible like that about something, that just ratchets up the importance, right? He said, well, wait a minute. If you can't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of them. That kind of piques my interest. That kind of is like, hey, this, this, this one's a big deal. There has to be something behind it. Well, why would he say that? I believe that because he mentioned a couple areas that have to do with our fruitfulness, and that has to, that's doing with the Word of God and how we receive the Word of God. I think that's why he said this is one of the most important principles or parables, because that will apply to everything we learn from the scripture, And then he goes through and he explains it to them as we read through it with Brother Daniel. He said that uh, a sower sowed the seed. The seed is the word of God and the soil is the hearts of those who hear this word of God that was sown. Look in your Bibles please. Look at Luke chapter number 8 again. Let's go through it briefly by way of introduction. He mentions that there are four different hearts. Look at verse 12. He said, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. This seed, which is thrown on the wayside, as he says here, are those whose hearts uh, are not even prepared to be saved yet. It is hard. That hard is so hard, the seed doesn't even penetrate. My first thing, I I mentioned when I was throwing the seed, I didn't prepare the dirt. It was still a little bit hard. And so it just laid there, and the birds came and took it. There is no concern. uh, And by the way, you know that. If you've ever shared the gospel with someone, sometimes they just don't see the importance of it. It's just like you can tell them the truth, you can share the word of God, and it's not going to go anywhere. They're not concerned about uh, salvation in their soul. Look at verse 13 we see the second heart they on the rock are they when they hear which when they hear receive, receive the word of god with joy and these have no root for which for a while believe and in a time of temptation fall away this is the hard ground uh, the harder ground it is it is uh, not committed there's no depth to it this is a person that, that is, they're either newer in their life or they've not really taken Christianity very seriously to the point where they're, they're making changes. And so the seed comes and it springs up, but it can't go very far because the dirt's not broken up. Uh, they, they're, they're not committed to it yet. And so when something else comes their way, there's no depth to the word that's in their heart. And so they just take off. By the way, one of the things we need to do to, uh to apply that to our lives is there's some changes we start making when we get saved, okay? Peter says, in 1 uh, in, in Peter, I believe it is, chapter, uh, it might be one, where he talks about add to your faith, virtue, add to your virtue, knowledge, add to this and that. He lists some things that we're supposed to add to our faith, our Christianity once we're saved, the, and he mentions them in order of importance, and the first thing he mentions is virtue. That has to do with our lifestyle, you see, because if our lifestyle's not right, right our, that dirt's not going to be very, very uh, uh, broken up, and the seed is not going to grow because our lifestyle is there to keep it from growing. We, we've not taken those type of steps yet. And so it's very important. Uh, James talks a little bit about this too when he talks about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Verse 14 talks about the third heart. And they which fell among the thorns are they which when they heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. This one falls into the the, the thorny field, the thorny heart. In other words, it's there and it can grow, but there's also other things growing there. These, this is the heart that's not careful. And so the word of God starts to go, but it can't grow to perfection or to fruit. It doesn't bear fruit because uh, there's other things growing with it. And then we get to verse 15. It says, but they on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. That means obey it. That's a big part. And bring forth fruit with patience. This is is the individual, and I hope this is you, and and you're a little bit higher level. You're here on a Sunday night, but your heart is open to the Word of God. You want to hear the Word of God. You want it to plant in your life, and you want it to bring forth fruit. You want it to make a difference in your life. You want to see it work in your life. You want to see your life changed in difference because you receive the Word of God, and as it says, keep it or obey it. So that's the progression. If you look at all four of the hearts, there is seed sown, and then the heart responds, some of them in good ways, some of them in bad ways, and then the results of how they received the seed into their hearts are revealed to varying degrees. Now, what's the point? The goal, of course, for us would be the last heart. We want God's word to bear fruit in our lives, What They that are on the good ground are they which honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Now he mentions the extent, Matthew mentions it too in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 23, the same parable. He says, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And I believe there the amount of fruitfulness is tied to our amount of growth in our Christian faith and amount of growth in our obedience to the Word of God. And so the the longer we're saved, I believe the more fruitfulness in our lives we will experience as we hear more of the Word of God. We let it lodge in our heart, and we let it germinate, and we let it grow. God wants us to be fruitful in our Christian life. We can't even deny that. We can't fight it. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse 5, the great chapter there. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. A couple verses down in John chapter 15 and verse 8 goes, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciple. So, analyzing all that by way of introduction, what's the problem? Why is it that so few Christians, if any, experience 100% fruit, 100 times fruit? Fact of the matter is, very few Christians get 60%. Fact of the matter is, very few see 30%. And if you really want to be honest, many Christians don't see much don't even attain to that level. It's almost as if the word of God is doing nothing in their hearts. Why is that? I don't want to just read something, I want to analyze it. This is an important parable, the greatest of all parables. So pastor, what do you think the problem is? I believe that the biggest problem, there's many, I don't, you know, you try to boil everything down to it's simplistic, but I believe the the greatest danger of all these is the third heart. I think that's where the majority of Christians would be. I don't think many people that are regularly coming to church, there may be some that are the the first heart, right? They're they're not saved. Their heart is so hard, the seed just lays there and it it goes away. Uh, uh, There there may be some that are that second heart because they're newer Christians and and maybe they're not willing to make a few changes God is prompting them to make. They want to kind of, you know, just kind of, and and so there's no depth in their Christianity. And so there's no way for the word to take root. Um, uh, I I would hope a lot more Christians are striving for that fourth heart, right? And there are a lot. I see people, God's bearing fruit in your heart. You say, Pastor, I may not be up to 30 yet, but you're on your way. You're going the right direction. But what's the problem for the majority of Christians? It's that third heart. So what is the issue here? Well, we need to understand this. If you're the third heart, here's the key. You, uh, all of us, by the way, because we're going to be there at some point, we have to do some gardening. If the seed's going to grow, we have to do some gardening. I'll explain that. What is the problem? That third heart, you're trying to grow two contradictory things in the same soil. The seed, the word of God, and a thorn. That which is contrary to the word of God. Luke 8, 7 says, and some fell among the thorns. Thorns. And the thorns sprung up with it and choked it. So the seed dropped into this heart. I don't think this, this is a person may, str- struggling maybe some errors, but, but they want the word of God to grow in their heart. And it grows and it starts to go. But at the same time, the thorns are also growing up with it. You can think, of, you can, I can tell you what the plant is. You know, but, but let's just for our sake say weeds. They're growing together. Well, what's going to happen? One is going to eliminate the other, and we know what's going to happen. They're incompatible. One plant is trying to bear fruit. The other, the thorn, is choking out the fruitful plant. Right? What do they do? They call that in, in, in bushes or trees, they call it pruning. Right? Right? If you have a tree with multiple branches trying to bear fruit, and one of the branches is struggling, what do you do? You cut that branch off. Because that branch is ciphering off, uh, uh, ciphering off what is needed for the other branches that are healthy to be able to grow. But the plant grows, the thorn grows, and it chokes it out. Look at verse 14 again. And they which fell among thorns are they which, when, uh, when they have heard, go forth. They hear the word of God, they go forth, they respond to the word, and are choked with riches and pleasures of this life. So they go forth, they start to grow, Uh, verse 8 says, sprung up with them, but they allow negative things to grow with the word, and what happens? And are choked. So it chokes out any progress which you have made. Or it starts to not just, it it eventually is going to bring it down. We We allow negative things to grow along with the word. So what's the problem? The other, the negative things are allowed to grow alongside. So what's the result? Look at the end of the verse. And bring no fruit to perfection. The word perfection means to maturity. It's a word they would use also of delivering a baby. So what they're saying is this plant is growing and before it gets to perfection or maturity where it can bring forth fruit, like a lady nine months can bring forth a baby, it's choked out and it can't bring forth the ultimate fruit that God wants in the fourth heart. One hundred, sixty, thirty. Why? It got choked out. Matthew 13 also says, he becometh unfruitful. He may have started having, but it got choked out and they no longer were bringing forth fruit. So here it is. The reason why some people have no spiritual results in their life, Christians, or very few, or they're going in the wrong direction, is because this is it. They think that the sinful and the spiritual can grow side by side without it having negative Effects on the Bible's fruitfulness in their life. That's the issue. The word choke means literally to suffocate. It's a word that they would use of drowning. You remember the story in the Bible of uh, the man that, was, uh, that, that had a bunch of demons in him and Jesus comes and the demon said, let us go into the pigs. I remember that story. And it says that the pigs ran off of a cliff into a lake and it says they were drowned. It's the same word. They were choked out. They drowned in the water. They could no longer breathe, so they died. That's what's happening. When we allow something that is not right to grow in our hearts alongside something that is right, thinking that we can mix the two and everything will be okay, what we're doing, we're allowing the word of God to be choked out in our life, and we're not going to have any fruit. And that's why the average Christian has no fruit. They'll come to church. They may even crack their Bible open. They may hear things. They may occasionally come down here to this altar. But when they walk away within a week, two, three, four weeks, there's no fruit in their life because they're trying to grow these two plants side by side. And one of them is choking out the other. And let me just say this. The bad is always going to choke out the good because we've allowed it. That's the point. So what are we going to look at? Well, most Christians, by the way, are, we're very sloppy. We allow everything into our heart, not realizing that it may be detrimental to the word of God in our hearts. I'm saying the reason that we have no spiritual uh, fruit, no results in our life is because we're allowing the wrong things to grow in our heart alongside the right things, thinking it's okay. That's the biggest part. Because we're all sinful at our core, right? And we all constantly have gardening to do. We do. That's just how it is. We, we notice in our... By the way, that's why it's good to come to church. And that's why coming to this altar is not some type of religious exercise we do, like praying the rosary, which we don't, but if we did. It's, it's something we do when God talks to us, like, hey, be careful in this area of your life. Or let's strengthen this. And we come down and say, Lord, help me. I don't want that weed to start growing in my life. Or, Lord, help me to, to nurture this in my life. Because we have to constantly be on guard. But... In the few minutes we have left, the Bible specifically talks about these thorns and what they are. The ones we have to be careful of. The ones that we allow to grow in our heart alongside God's word, not realizing we're choking the word and it's never going to produce anything of lasting value in our life. What are these things? I knew you were going to ask. First of all, the thorn of cares. The thorn of cares. Look at verse 14. And they which fell among thorns are they which, when they heard, they go forth and are choked with cares. What are cares? Anxiety or worry. Things that can cause us to be distracted. These are just things of life. These are just things that come our way. Things we have to deal with. Things that we can allow a wrong place in our heart and give too much priority and care to, and it causes us to get off of the track. We all have jobs we have to work. We all have responsibilities we have to take care of. We all have bills we have to pay. We all have all these things, Monday through Friday, Saturday, that we have to take care of. They're just things of life. And, and in the, in, in, in on the front side, there's just not, it's not necessarily bad. But sometimes we get so caught up in the things that aren't necessarily bad, we're making them bad. You understand what I mean by that? We're allowing them a place in our life they, can't, they should not have. We allow them to take over our hearts and they're going to choke out the spiritual. This one's very deceptive because we start to become preoccupied. And so it'll affect, and I know I'm preaching to the crowd, but it'll affect our faithfulness to church. Because after all, I have things I have to take care of. I have things I have to do. Right? It, it affects our, our soul winning time. or our serving time, or anything that's spiritual, my time with God, because after all, I'm too busy. By the way, it's amazing how we get too busy for those things, but I've never heard anybody come and say, hey, wow, you're losing weight, next, how are you losing weight? And they're like, well, I've just been too busy to eat. Right? We should start that one, the too busy diet. No, it doesn't work that way. Bro, bro, we find time. We're hungry, we'll find food. We will figure it out. But it's easy to let the cares of this world and the things that start to, they weigh on us. And I get it. You know, I, I know that, I know what the economy's like. By the way, free, free commercial. Be careful who you vote for. People, I, I'm sick and tired of what's going on in our city. Well, quit voting for those people. But anyhow, that's, I'm not telling you to vote for, but you might want to do some research. Mm-hmm. But... um. But we just, we let this take over, and it starts to choke out. <clears throat> How does it do that? You know, we start to prioritize the wrong things, and then slowly we start to back off of the right things. You know, I mentioned church. It's, you know, I'm going to church, and then we, we'll start missing here or there. And it's not because we're sick or, or there was an emergency or something. We just, we let it happen. We start to miss our Bible time, start to miss get whatever it is we're supposed to be doing. We're not faithful anymore. And so we have to be careful. We have to, I get it. And let me say this, everything we have to deal with in life, even the stuff we would just call the cares of this life, God says, put him first and everything will be all just fine. I love Matthew chapter six. He says, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast in the oven, God takes care of the fields. shall, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He also talked about the birds and so forth. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of them. He's not saying don't care about those things, right? I mean, it doesn't mean, husband, you come home from work and, you, you know, what's for dinner? It's like, we're not supposed to take any care of that. It'll just happen. I'm just saying, he's like, don't, don't make that everything in your life. The things of life, don't make that everything. But here's what he says, and you know the verse well. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You know what he's saying? Give me the priority. Give me first place. Everything will work out. Uh, it'll be fine. But we have to put him first. Those two, the, the cares of this life, the things we have to deal with, and, and spirituality really aren't in conflict. When they become into conflict, it's because we've allowed them to become, com, come into conflict. We've not prioritized ourselves. So the thorn of cares, number two... This will be great. The thorn of cash, verse 14, and they which fell upon thorns, are they which when you've heard go forth and are choked, and then he mentions the cares, and riches. Now again, you think about it on the surface, it doesn't seem too bad, right? I mean, you know, well, some people believe money is evil, well then come here and I'll perform an exorcism. I will help you be alleviated of that burden in your life. No, money's not evil, right? If you believe that, go pay your rent. Your you're, 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 owner's going to want you to pay cash, right? Go to the store and say money's evil. was like, we well, ain't getting any groceries. Well, now in California, what I got to do is run out the door. They're, you're not, they're not allowed to do anything. I'm not saying you do that, by the way. So. But I'm just saying, it's not on the surface evil, it's not on the surface wrong. But what happens is we give it too much place in our life. It gets out of order. It gets out of priority. We have a wrong attitude. I'm going to quote, and you can look over here. I want us to look at this. First Timothy chapter 6, you know these verses, but flip over there if you will. And I'll, I'll talk while you're doing that. <coughs> but 1 Timothy talks about this. <clears throat> now, we won't get into it, but... As you read through it, he gives us the, the prescription to make sure that it doesn't become a problem in our lives. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, he goes, But they that will be rich, will means this, a deliberate intention or purpose to be. It doesn't mean the person that eventually is going to become rich. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a person that wills to be rich. They are making. They're making it their goal. They're making it their life's purpose. They're making it intentional. They're planning on that. That's the goal of their life. Have you ever met someone like that? I've met them. You know, my goal is to be. I'm to retire when I'm thirty-five years old. Okay, I hope that works out for you. Um, but but that, that's their goal. Everything in my life is secondary uh, behind my desire to accumulate money. That's where the problem is. And they that will, will be rich, that's your desire, that's your goal, will fall into temptation and in a snare. What's a snare? A snare is like a trap. Okay, you've got a spiritual trap set for you when your goal is strictly to accumulate that's everything. In and by the way, let me just say, I'm, I, I, you know, you say, you know, I was like, are you against someone working hard at work and being successful? No. Go to work and, and be successful and work hard. And if God blesses you, go for that. But don't make it your goal. Because when you make it your goal, you're going to start, there's going to be snares, right? Deceit. Giving your job too much place in your life. People that'll work so much, they have no more time for their family. Well, I'm providing money for them. Your kids want more than that. But snares that come with me. There's entrapment. There's temptation. They'll fall in temptation. Foolish, hurtful lust, he also talks about. And then there's destruction, which drowned men in destruction and perdition. It, it just leads to bad things. And you, you, look, how many people in this world have hit the target when it comes to money? And how many of them, their life is a train wreck? Everybody you look to in the entertainment, just most anybody you look to in the entertainment, boy, they got everything they want, but they're on their fifth marriage. Their kids are a train wreck. They they have no joy in life, but they're our heroes. They should not be in that sense. Because you got to be careful. Money's not the end all. There's a lot more to it than money. So these are the results here. And so we get caught up in all of this, and it starts to get. Then we start to covet after it. We want what others have. By the way, it's called communism, anyhow, but we'll leave that one alone. By the way, you know, covetousness is really bad. God's Ten Commandments, you know one of them is? Covetousness. You look at some of the, in the New Testament, where he lists some of the bad sins, right? You know, adultery, blah, 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 blah. And then covetousness makes an appearance on that list. And I'm like, man, covetous, being covetous, that's, that's running with some really bad company. But that happens. Why wouldn't we be covetous? If we believe that the end all of this life is to just accumulate a lot of money, and we believe that having a lot of money will make us happy, why in the world wouldn't we covet what others have? That just would make sense. But what it does is it starts to choke God's word in your heart. And I've said, by the way, it leads to abandoning too. He talks about they have erred from the faith. That means abandoning. Some people walk away from God because money is more important to them than spirituality. You, why? Because I've said it a hundred times, but it's in the Bible. Money is a competing God. Luke 16, 13. No man can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. He applied that principle specifically to money. Because it is so easy to have the wrong attitude about it. That's the problem. Well, you know, money's evil. Bible doesn't say that. Okay? He says what? The? It's our attitude towards it. Some of the best, I know great Christians who are very generous and very helpful to the ministry of God, and they make a lot of money. They have the right attitude about money. Money is a servant, not a master, right? And so be very careful. Now you say, pastor, in our church, that's not a problem. You know, we don't have a lot of people that have a lot of money. Do you know some of the people that are worst at this are people that have the least of it? Because it's not how much you have, it's how how much you want it. That's the problem. And so it takes over. Be very careful with that. Next, the third thorn is the thorn of carnality. Choke with the pleasures, he mentions. Now we're getting to the nitty-gritty where you would say, yeah, I, I get that, right? The cares of this world, the things we got to deal with, I understand that. That's just life. We got to go for it. We got to roll with it. We got to work. And then money, we got to have money, and you can have the right attitude towards money. And, and, you know, blah, blah, you know, it's not like, okay, but now we're getting down to a, a, a deeper level. Pleasures. The word pleasures means sensual desires or lust towards things we think will bring us joy. You understand that? It's when we buy the lie that that the desires of our life that we want, and our desires have a tendency to go cattywampus, and they always take us off the path, and they're going to take us towards the sinful if we're not careful. We think that that type of pleasure will bring us joy, and there are some people that are actually uh, 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 foolish or ignorant enough to think that they can do that, and at the same, see, they want it all. I want the spiritual. I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to have a Bible and all that, but over here, I'm just going to live and do what I want to do because I'm under God's grace. That doesn't work. The two cannot grow together. This should be super simple, super simple. Sinful desire and spiritual desires don't go together. We can justify the first two in our mind, can we not? We can say, you know, hey, pastor, I've got responsibilities I have to take care of and deal with. That's the cares of this life. You know, pastor, after all, I have bills I got to pay and blah, 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 blah. But you can't even remotely try to justify this. Everywhere you read in the Bible, it talks about the, 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 the destruction of sin. How when we let our desires out of control, it kills our Christianity. We call that carnality. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. The Corinthian church, if you remember anything, they had a lot of problems. In their church. They were in one of the most corrupt cities of that time, Corinth. Corinth was a great uh, business type city and a lot of sin, a lot of nonsense, a lot of garbage going on. But what had happened is that had seeped into the church. So Paul's got to deal with it. And um, to their credit, if you read 2 Corinthians, it seems like they dealt with some of these things. But here's what he said about their spiritual growth as they were really carnal. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. He goes, Look, I came and talked to you like a spiritual person, but as unto carnal, even as unto what? Babes in Christ. So he goes, In verse 2, he says, like, I fed you with milk, not meat, because you can't handle it. He says, you're still acting like spiritual babies. In other words, there's no growth in your life. There's no spiritual fruit in your life because your carnality is keeping you from growing spiritually. And he was talking to people that were at the church, not people outside the church. They thought the two things could go together. But let me just tell you this, they can't. And I'm amazed at how modern Christianity so Horribly has adopted this type of lifestyle. If you try to stand up and say, Look, there are some things that God says we need to be careful of that we should not be a part of our life, it's sinful. They mock it. They mock it. A church that was a track I saw, and they're like, uh, They were trying to get people to church, Christian church. Like, we're not going to bore you with the stories of Jesus. well, then why are we going to church? I'm not bored when I hear the stories of Jesus. That's, That's why I came. But you know why we do that? We're trying to bring it down to bring them in. Bring them in for what? So that we throw some seed at them and we never tell them they need to garden their heart so the seed can grow. We have to be very careful about that. And Christians do that too. We believe that because of God's grace, that sin will not impact our spiritual life. That's a lie. Fact of the matter is, God's grace help us, helps us to do the gardening so that we can have a spiritual life. You really want to really know that? Check the average Christian's um, uh, social media. Uh, it's just, I remember years ago, a long time, y'all, you know, okay, that's a long time ago. One of the girls in our school, she came to us and said, I've been listening to the wrong kind of music. She gave us our, her CDs. Like, what are CDs? It's like, we don't even know what CDs are anymore, right? We used to say, we had records. It's like, what records? And it's like, well, it's like a CD. Now we say CD, and it's like, what, is that some guy's name from Texas, you know? Or what, what, what are we doing here? It's like, no, it's like an MP3 on a, on a laser disc, Okay. And so she brought all of her things in, and Pastor said, hey, get rid of these. And so, Brother Pineda, my office used to be, like, right in this area in that two-story house. I was reading them. I'm looking at that one like, I would have probably listened to this one back in the day. But you know what I was doing? I was reading the back of them. And you know what was funny? If you read the small print, how many of those filthy, unsaved people would, in the fine print, say, I want to thank God for me allowing to do this. And then i look at the song. It's about nothing but immorality. Now, they're unsaved. They have no clue, okay? Christians do that all the time. Uh, I'm I'm very careful. I used to have, I have Instagram. I think I still do. I forgot. I I thought I canceled it, but it's still there. But I don't look at it, because I want to have a good spirit towards people I know. You, You go on Instagram, and you're acting like a pagan with a person you're not even married to. Well, how do you know? You shouldn't be touching them. You say, "Well, Pastor, wait, are you talking to me? I'm not on social. I'm not on there. I, I'm on Twitter, Brother Panetta, so I can get some information without seeing that because that just it, 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 it was making my heart race, and I just didn't want to have a bad spirit." Or you, your little background music. It's like that's not that has nothing to do with God. And then in your bio, you put stuff like "follower of God." Well, let me just say this, sweetheart. Or sweet guy? (laughs) Wait, if you call a girl a sweetheart, what do you call a guy? A sour soul? (laughs) It's like, you can put that in your bio all you want, but your posts are saying the complete opposite. Okay? You say, well, pastor, that's just what I feel like doing. Please don't give Jesus a bad name. But see, you're falling for that whole thing. Well, they can grow side by side. No, they can't. Something's going to die. And typically, it's the, unsp- it's, it's the spiritual. We put the way we dress, we dress like, I, I'm, I, I, man, I'm really getting in trouble now. I, don't, I just talked to the pulpit back here. Relati- I couldn't follow relatives because I'm like, I don't want to see that. I just don't want to see it. Save it for your husband. All right. It says, move on quickly. Okay, good. Why is that an issue? Here's the issue. Ready? Sin separates us from God. That's it. Now, by the way, those of you, we all say amen to those things, right? What about when we have a bad attitude? You know, the waitress comes and you chew her out because you're having a bad day. That's unchristian too. Can I get a witness? Okay, so now we all feel bad. (laughs) Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. You know, kind of like when, hey, who's going to pay for the meal? Like, my hand can't reach that card, you know? What do they call it? Alligator arms? Okay, so. <laughs> um, Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, like deaf. Like, God's not deaf. God said, I'm not deaf, I can hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you. So let's be very, very careful. We're talking about carnality. We're talking about sinful actions. Not What are you doing when you're away from church? And, and I'm not saying you got to walk on water. No one's going to walk on water. But I'm saying, are you trying to go forward? Are you trying to live the Christian life? Are you not purposely choosing to do things that you know are not God-honoring? What are you listening to? You show me your catalog of music, and I'll show you where you're at in the spiritual scale. That's all there is to it. I have a Bible, I come to church, great. But if you're listening to anti-God music, listen, I didn't even hear a message on rock music when I got saved. I was going to church for a few months, I was reading my Bible, I was having a great time, and then I'd listen to my music. I mean, I'm like, got the Bible reading done, you know, let me put on what I was listening to. And I'd listen to that stuff, and it did not take me long, Brother Albert. I was just sitting there listening to it, I'm like, that is completely contradictory to what I just read. And I'm like, something's got to go. I pulled the trash can out. I threw all the records away. I'm like, they're going. God's staying. Okay? Just common sense. You know, you wouldn't hang around with someone that just talks profane to you. But yet we'll put it on and we'll hear it in our car. Who are you following? How are you reacting around uh, the opposite gender? What are you watching? And by the way, parents, let's be very, very careful what we're allowing our kids to see. Well, I didn't know that was in that, Pastor Myers. That's why you need to do a little bit of, um, of research. Then we get into the sneaky part of it, right? What are you sneaking into? What are you looking at online when nobody knows? huh? See, that's the, really, that's the real nitty-gritty of Christianity, when you can do the right thing when nobody would know if you're doing the wrong thing. That's the real nitty-gritty. Well, nobody's gonna know. I know. I I, I give the illustration years ago. Pastor, this is back '89 or something. Pastor went to Cambodia with a a group of people. That's back before cell phones or anything. When Pastor just took off for three weeks, and it's like you didn't hear from him, right? It's like I hope he comes back, right? I mean, there was no self. Now the kids are gonna go on the mission trip. My daughters will FaceTime me from Angkor Wat, and uh, but you didn't know. Pastor took off. It's like I'll see you in three weeks. And he went with some folks, and there were some other folks that weren't Christian, and they I think they stopped in Thailand. And one of the guys that was unsaved went to, up to pastor and said, hey, are you going to get yourself a girl? Pastor's like, no, I, I, I'm, a, I'm married. I'm not going to do that. And he said this. And, and the guy was unsaved. He didn't know. He said, oh, it okay. No, You like the way I just broke into the... <laughs> Take away pronouns and verbs, and you can speak another language. <laughs> it okay. No one ever know. And pastor said, God will know. That's the attitude we got to have, right? And then lastly, and this is just kind of throwing it all together, there's the, there's the thorn of choices. All these things he mentioned, the cares, the cash, the carnalities, he ends them with, they all are part of these last three words, of this life. See, all of those things are of this world. They're not of the spiritual world. When we allow those things placed in our life, what we're doing is we're making a choice, right? We're choosing those things of this world over the things of the next world. We're choosing the, 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 the carnal or the physical over the spirit. And by the way, that's where everything boils down to, people. It's a choice. It's a choice. And I'm, I'm not saying this life is wrong necessarily. There are things we do in this life. There are things that aren't wrong that we enjoy, that we have to take care of. I'm, I understand all that. But we give it too much place in our life, and now we've given this life place over the eternal life. You do know if you're saved, you're going to live forever. That's a long time. That is a lot longer than, than, than living on this earth. Right? You can live to be 120. I doubt it. Especially if you're eating McDonald's. You'll live to be 120. Just take the one off. But, but you know, we're, we're living for this. I remember years when I was in third or fourth grade, they used to take all the kids for a field trip to Cal State Long Beach. It was just, I forget what, it may have been fifth grade. And every year, all the fifth graders went to Cal State Long Beach or trying to get you to go to college there. And uh, these long hallway and this long hallway, it had like this blue line at the top. And it went all the way down that hallway. And it, he said, Watch this line and see where it goes. And as we walked through this whole huge building, at that, that line was, ever, was, was just going everywhere. And then he said, when we got to the end, several, several long hallways, we got to the end, there was that line and there was a little red section. It was a blue line, let's say, and there was a little red section like that. And he said, You know what that line, now he's wrong, by the way. Uh, He said, That line represents all of the time of this earth up until today. And that red part is the time that man's been on this earth. Now, he could have fixed that and cut off most of it, it would have just been, but anyhow, that's a story for another day. And that long line, we've only been on it that, according to them like that. So let's go ahead and fix that. Let's say the blue line was eternity. And that's how long it was, but it goes forever. And our life represents a speck. And you know what we live for? We call it the treasure principle. We live for the speck. We're living for this this little, and and again, there's nothing wrong with uh, enjoying this life and enjoying fellowship, nothing wrong with that, but we live our whole life. All of our energy, all of our goals, all of our effort is towards what's going on in this life without any thought to the eternal life. The reward. God talks about reward and serving him and making an internal impact, but we focus everything on this, right? Think about it this way. People save up so they can retire. So you'll work, what is retirement now? 65? Right? I mean, if you're in the military 20 something years, you can get out before you're 50. Um, but, but let's just say retirement's 65. So you work your whole life saving up so that when you hit six, and there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong about this, I'm making a point. And so, so you can retire at 65 and you're taken care of for the rest of your life. And on average, what are you gonna live? 13, 14, maybe 15 to 20 years, and that's okay. But yet we're going to live forever in eternity, and we don't do anything to invest in it, right? And so when we don't think about eternity in that way, what happens is the cares of this world have a lot more weight. The cash of this world has a lot more weight. And then we start to get off spiritually, and now we get into carnality because we want the pleasures of this world. And by the way, the pleasures of this world come with a price. The pleasure is only for a small time, and then the bill comes due. But we're just living for this life. So what's the point? The point is this. If we're going to have fruit in our life, we can't let these two things grow side by side. We have to constantly, let me just say that, constantly, every day, do some gardening. You say, man, I'm doing so good today, and then something pops up, or you do this one thing like, man, I was doing so good. And that one little thing, just kind of garden, rip the weed out, get it at the roots. Don't let it grow side by side because it's going to choke the word out, and you're going to be unfruitful. But you know what? If you'll cultivate it, you'll work with it, the word of God will will germinate in your heart, and it'll start producing fruit. You're going to see it, and it's going to be great. Let's stand together, if we may, tonight. I want a few minutes longer than I normally would. Let's bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute. Let's think about this. None of us are the first heart. And let me say this. If you are the first heart and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to get saved. And maybe you're on that second heart. You're a newer Christian. You're trying to get the word in. And there's still some things you need to deal with. Keep dealing with them, please. Maybe you're that fourth heart and you are bearing fruit, but you want to make sure as you're bearing fruit that you're vigilant for the weeds. But maybe some of these things have started to creep into your life. Maybe some of these things that I mentioned are starting to take precedent in your life. And you know they're not right, and they may not be horribly sinful, but you know they're starting to throw you off a little bit. Let's do some gardening tonight. Let's do some gardening tonight. So that the word of God may be able to lodge in our heart and bear fruit in our lives. The piano is going to play. If God spoke to you tonight, why don't you come to this altar? You say, Pastor, I'm not a wicked. I know you're not, but, but maybe you notice a weed or two. And you're like, I, I gotta. I'm not going to let that grow. I'm going to cut that out right now.